Thank you for joining us today. If you're new to The Rock, we would love to connect with you, and you can text Rock of KC to 816-307-1611 for a Connect card, and a member of our team will be in touch with you shortly. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give safely and securely through our app and on our website at rockofkc.com. Your generous giving through The Rock supports many ministries here locally and globally. We hope you enjoy this week's message. And all the people said amen, right? Crew nights, come on. Get your 7th through 12th graders, get there. Parents, get them there. Be the parent. Say, you don't have to go, you get to go. And I'm going to make sure you get there. Come on, get them in an atmosphere where Christ can work on them. The Holy Spirit can move. They can encounter God and be changed and transformed. Amen? I'm going to tell you something, parents. Just uh, be a parent. Be the parent, be the parent, be the parent, be the tugboat that's there on the side of that ship as you guide it through life and get it into safe waters. And uh, that ship will want to turn right and left, but you just, you keep the pressure on and uh, don't give in to all their antics and all their, uh, you know, rebellion and everything. Be the parent. Come on now. Be the parent. All right. Praise God. I love teenagers. Absolutely love them. They don't intimidate me at all. I give them hugs and not drugs. That's right. Hugs and not drugs. There's science behind that statement. If you want to know about it, I'll tell you a story sometime. But uh, there's a lot of truth in that. Oh, my goodness. I'm about, I'm about ready to go somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll wait for another time. All right. Hey, you want to hear some good news? All right, there's some good news. Uh, during July, we had three different families uh, come to us and say, we want to do a matching challenge for Run to Stop It. You all know we have, uh, uh, we have a goal this year that raised like $326,000 to reach a $2 million mark that we've given away over the last 13 years to stop human uh, sexual trafficking. And so I um, wish we didn't have to have Run to Stop It, but we do. And so we're going to keep our hand to the plow and obey God and do our part in, in helping combat this evil that's in our society. But uh, so $25,000 matching gift. And um, I was asking Corky, I said, where are we at? And so she sent me a report a few days ago, $30,135.97 came in. Come on. You got, to God be the glory. So that got matched. Well, then a, a family reached out to me a few, like maybe a week ago and said, uh, we want to we do a matching gift in August. And so it's $20,000, a matching gift that's starting up. Praise God. Come on now. <laughs> then I get a text from a family in the church that said, Pastor, we're believing for $5,000 for our uh, empty jar, you know, God would fill it. And so they shared a testimony about how some money came in that they'd forgotten all about or something happened with the transfer, and 2,600 of it came in. And they said, has the matching challenge been met? I said, yes, but one starting up in August. Okay, then we're going to give our 2,600 of that 5,000, and we're believing for the rest to come in for that. So God's already at work. Come on, let's give him glory and honor for that. I love it when... I love it when we don't have to strong arm 
We don't have to get up and say, hey, come on, man. You guys have got to dig a little deeper. We can just cast out the vision and watch what God does as people respond and obey. Isn't that wonderful? It's a beautiful thing, and we give God all the glory and praise for that. Y'all ready to get into the word? Ready for that word to get, get into your business? Get into your head? Get into your heart? Get all up in all, everything? That's what the word of God is meant to do, to rebuke us, to correct us, to encourage us. To It's powerful when we allow it to be alive in us and bring transformation and change, renew our minds and wash us and cleanse us. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you. We praise you for your word. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Your word is a living and active, and we want it to be alive in our lives and hearts. So Lord, give us heart now to receive. Give us a mind to, to apprehend and to lean in, God, that we might not just hear this word, but we would apply it to our life. We need grace for that to happen. It's easy to hear. Sometimes it's hard to hear, but God, even more difficult to, to actually walk out. And so we can't do it without grace. We can't do it without the help of the Holy Spirit. It's not by might or power, but by your Spirit. So come, Holy Spirit, right now, afresh and anew, as we lean into you, as we yield to you and submit to you, Lead us and guide us into all truth. Cleanse our hearts and our minds that we might bear fruit. That fruit might remain and we would so prove to be the disciples of Jesus and glorify our Father in heaven. We pray for this grace in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. We're going to receive communion in, in, in just a little bit. But I'm going to teach first before we do communion. I really felt like the Lord just said, you, I want you to teach about communion. It's so easy to go through uh, rituals without any meaning. It's easy to get into habits that are not bad habits, but they're just habits out of habits. I like rhythm, and I like habits. I have established some in my life. One of them is my devotional time, just private time with God first thing in the morning. I found that if I don't do it first thing in the morning, it doesn't get done. Now, I talk to God throughout the day. I'll listen to sermons or Christian music or whatever that inspires me. But it's not the same as just sitting down and getting quiet and saying, God, I'm here to commune with you. I'm not here to get a message. I'm not here to uh, get an answer necessarily. I just want to spend time with you. And that's, that's communion. And so the communion time that we're going to have, the, the Lord's table, it's called communion, the Lord's table, the Holy Eucharist, a lot of different names for this this time that we have but one of the things that can happen is it can become it just can become ritual it, it can become I'm going through the motions I'm I'm putting in the time and the, no meaning how many of you ever had um sat down with a meal and and you just really didn't you had a meal together but you didn't really have conversation and you see people today and I'm as bad as anyone that you out to eat and they're all on their phones I mean, a large portion, and it's not just young people. I mean, I've seen people in their 70s and 80s just, they're at a meal together, and they're both just scrolling. And uh, I'm guilty, so no shame here, no condemnation. But we, we tend to get that way. We can get robotic. And God never intended for this moment and this time to be robotic. He wants there to be a connection. He wants there to be a connection. It's happening. It can happen. You can come to service week after week and not really connect. 
you're just kind of going through the motions. I, I know it's good for me to be here, and I know it's good to be in the atmosphere, but, man, my mind's, what am I going to have for dinner or, you know, worries and cares of this life, or what do they do? They choke out the word. That's why I, I love this song, you can have this world. You can have this world. Like, you can have it. Give me Jesus. And that's, that's a nice song to sing, but how much time do we really, like, really mean it? Like, but I, but I got all these things to do. I've got all these things to fix. I've got all these bills to pay. I've got, and worries and cares and riches of this life, they choke out the communion that God wants with each of us. And so let's just pick it up in Luke chapter 22. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it, they ask. So that's a good thing to do. When you don't know, ask. And that's just simple thing. If when you don't fully understand, then ask. And when you don't fully comprehend what God's requiring of you, then if you want more specifics, then ask him. And he'll share with you. He will. Where do you want us to prepare, they asked. He, said, he replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters. And say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished, make preparations there. Now, think about this for a moment. Think about this. God's love language is obedience. Now, Ben, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go to the Dillard's parking lot, and there you'll find a man with a key. And that man, you've got to follow him because he's going to take you to a Bugatti that'll go 304 miles per hour. It's three or $400,000 car, maybe more. And the owner's going to be there, and you're going to tell him, my teacher has need of it, and he's going to hand you the keys, and I want you to bring it back here to me. Now, how many of you would be foolish enough to obey that? It would take a lot of faith. But that's exactly what, it's like, that's, some guy you don't know is going to carry a pitcher of water, and then you're going to follow him to a house. And then when the owner asks, what are you guys doing here? I was like, my teacher needs this. And oh, okay, great. But see, we don't know what's on the other side of our obedience. God's not always asking you to figure it out or for it to make sense. God just wants you to obey him. Write the letter. Say, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Humble yourself. Whatever it is, just obey God. And watch what God will do with it. Sow the seed. Plant the seed. Whatever it might be that God's requiring of you, just do it in faith. And watch what God will do. And so that's always amazed me. Like, seriously? I'm going to, a total stranger's going to come. And then I'm going to follow him. And it's going to be that easy. How many of you have ever worried and worried and worried? You struggled and you didn't want to break the ice or have the conversation. You, you know, just sweated it. And then when you actually did it, it was like, well, that wasn't so bad after all. This is about faith and about trusting God. And so, so they did. And it was just as they said. They, 
They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. Shazam! He actually, it actually works, guys. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this and remember to me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. I want to entitle this message today, Come to the Table. Come to the table. God is inviting you to his table. The table, the, the, the communion table, the table of food, the table is a place. It's a universal symbol of communion. It's a universal symbol. Come, Hey, you got an enemy? Bring him to the table. Let's have a meal together. Can we have a discussion? Let's come to the table. We just be willing to come to the table. Open your heart. Let your defenses down. Let your grudges go and come to the table. And God is inviting you to his table, to his communion table. I want you to come. I want you to share your heart with me. What's, what's happening? What's going on? How are you doing? What keeps us from the table a lot of times is shame, disappointment, unforgiveness, right? Things that, like disappointment in our decisions that we made, the shame we carry because of the decisions we made. Come on, how many of you, when it comes to communion time, Honestly, would say, man, I'm not worthy. And it's like, I'm not worthy. And it's like, yeah, you're not, <laughs> and neither am I. And that's why he invites us to come. You see, on the night before he was slain, Jesus opened up the Passover Seder uh, to being more than a religious observance. I mean, they've observed this for hundreds of years now. The, the, the Passover Seder of being delivered from bondage out of Egypt became a communion table in which he invited his disciples to partake of his fullness and life. It was there, it was here the truth of our salvation prefigured in the deliverance of Israel from Egypt would be fulfilled. As he broke the mats off, the unleavened Passover bread, and took the cup with them, he reinterpreted the practice that had been going on for centuries, applying it to himself. Now, listen, think about it. All that they had done in religious observance all they had done out of ritual and observance and out of obedience now is alive. Can you th imagine that? God, I mean, you've been going through this, doing the routine, and all of a sudden, the real Passover lamb is now here. It, it, it's like when Jesus went into the, the temple and he opened up the book of Isaiah and starts reading from it. And they're all like, who is this kid? It's like, it's, he's the word of God. Now the word of God is reading the word of God. And the word of God is now interpreting the word of God. Things that they thought were far off. And what does this mean? He goes, now, I am now in the midst of you. I'm going, whoa. That, how incredible is this? The living word of God. God the word made flesh. Jesus is now the Passover lamb. And they're having this meal with him. Jesus is becoming the ultimate Paschal lamb. The lamb sacrifice at the first Passover. 
There in the upper room was the last time the Passover would be celebrated before it was prophesied it was fulfilled. The next day at Calvary, the lamb was slain, his blood was spilled, and his body broken that there might come deliverance out of the bondage of slavery. When you and I come to feast at the Lord's table, there are great truths for us to celebrate, and I want to share some of those with you. Number one, the table is a celebration of victory. It is a celebration of victory. Revelations 12, 10, and 11. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and power in the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. This is what God is saying. This is what's happening here. The Lamb of God slain before the, before the foundations of the earth has now come to be slain and to cover our sin once and for all. No longer do we have to kill bulls and goats and sacrifice lambs. No longer does a high priest have to go in once a year and make atonement for not only his sins, but the sins of all the people. But see, now we have the high priest, Jesus, who is the sacrificial lamb of God without sin, who didn't have to atone for his own sin, made uh, propitiation or covering for our sins through his spilled blood, through his wounded body. He fulfilled it all right then and there. Come on now. Now, when we sit down at this table, we are confessing that with our mouth and we're confessing with our actions that Jesus Christ is my Paschal or my Passover lamb, that he bore my sins in his bodies. By his bruises, he dealt with my iniquities, and through his blood, I am cleansed. And this is the testimony overcome by the word of my testimony, by the blood of the lamb, and I don't love my life unto death. In other words, I've entered the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God has entered me. The king of the kingdom has entered me and I am forgiven and I am loved and I'm invited to the table. It's a place of victory. It's a place of victory. This do in remembrance of me. It's the basic text of the Lord's table engraved on the front of it in churches everywhere. How many of you remember the big communion Tables like there and remember, do this in remembrance of me. Now, here's the thing as often as you do this, as often as you do it, how often? How often? Whenever you do it, don't ever do it out of ritual. Do it out of remembrance, out of communion, out of connection. Some people, I understand, take communion every day. They take it with their spouse, whatever, whenever you do it. Some do it once a month. Some do it every week. Some people make a religion out of how often you should do it and when you should do it. And then they condemn others who don't, which is totally crazy to the opposite spirit of love. It's totally contrary to the teaching of Scripture that says, hey, if you observe one day above another, do it to the glory of God. If you, do, if you observe all days alike, then do it to the glory of God and stop passing judgment on each other over these things. Seriously. Yeah, but it's really meaningful for me. Well, good. God bless you. And it becomes very ritualistic for me, and so I'm more careful about how often I do it because I don't want to do it out of rote. So stop judging me, and you be at liberty, and I'll be at liberty. And is it going to get us to heaven? No. 
It's not going to get us to heaven. So why are you making such a big deal out of it? Well, because we like to feel superior or that we're closer or that we know more or we have more revelation. It's like that's totally the opposite spirit of Christ and what the overall teaching of Scripture teaches us. But see, that's how religion gets going. And that's not to be brought to the table. Come to the table and remember me. Come to the table. Cast all your cares upon me. I care for you. Come to the table. Give me your shame. Give me your heart. Bear your burden. Unbear your burden. Take my yoke. Eat of me. Drink of me. Let me wash you. Let me cleanse you. What are all these cares? What are all these worries? What are all these frustrations? What is all this hurt? What is all this pain? Bring it here to this table. Disconnect from all this and commune with me. Look me in the eye. Let, let my fire of love penetrate your heart and soul. I listened to a sermon or part of one. The pastor said, the teacher, theologian, he said, when Jesus is all I need and Jesus is all I want, I've entered the kingdom. Oh. Now listen, the song we sang, I don't need anything else. You better watch it. Because that, that lyric is true in this sense. If Jesus isn't first, then nothing else matters. But you do need Jesus in his body. You can't read scripture without fully understanding that. In fact, he said, if you bring a gift to the altar and there find that you have ought against your brother, I don't want your gift. I don't want your gift. Leave it and go back and make things right with your brother. And then come and offer your gift. That's how much Jesus cares about this connection. Vertical, vertical and horizontal. He loves his body. In fact, with communion that we're going to get into, it had nothing to do with just you, just me and Jesus and partaking in an unworthy manner. It had everything to do with disregarding the body of Christ, not the bruised, beaten body of Christ. That's not what the context talked about at all. Go read Corinthians. Go read it. They were spiritual and carnal. They were divisive. Come on, go read 1 Corinthians. It was a letter of rebuke. They were having their communion time. They were having the, they called it the love feast. It was a meal. And people with, with plenty were eating their own and weren't regarding the rest of the people who were without. Some of them were even getting drunk on the wine. It was a debacle. And he says, you're not discerning. You're not doing Philippians 2 that Jeremy shared with us. Your interests are your own. 
You're, you, you, the community is gathered to celebrate the victory of Jesus and his death on the cross and our commonality that we're all sinners saved by grace and not, none of you are looking out for each other but yourselves. And therefore, you're drinking and eating in an unworthy manner. And when you do so, you're bringing judgment and sickness on, your, on yourselves. That's the context. It wasn't to be this morose thing, oh, Jesus, you, I mean, yes, we should remember, like, the price he paid, yes, the agony, the suffering of Christ, yes, but, but that was not that context there. Let's move to the next point. The table is a proclamation of redemption. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As often as you do, you're, you're declaring, I've been redeemed, I've been purchased, I've been bought. There's salvation in Jesus. You're, you can be forgiven. Your sins can be forgiven. You can be cleansed. You can be washed. God did it for you. He redeemed you from, the, from death. He redeemed you from hell. He redeemed you from, from the grave. He purchased you. He paid for you. You, pay, you had a debt you could not pay. Come on. You owed a debt you could not pay. And he paid the debt. He redeemed you. He purchased you. This is what is for you. Will you receive him? To many as received him, he gave the right to become a child of God. It's the free gift of God. It's salvation. It's redemption. He purchased you from the slave market of sin. And that's what we celebrate. We celebrate our redemption. Hey, I'm forgiven. You're forgiven too. The ground's level here. There's no rich or poor. There's no black or white. There's no yellow. There's no, uh, there's no Greek or barbarian or Jew. We're, we're all sinners saved by grace. Come on. Every one of us. Uh, you, what side of the track were you born on, brother? I, I wasn't born on a track. I wasn't born on the other side of a track. I was just born, and I was born a sinner. But now I'm forgiven. Come on now. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. That's our commonality. There's no superiority here at the cross. The ground's level at the table. We all have to climb. We all have to kneel. We recline. They reclined at table. This, the tables were low in those days. And they reclined. That's where John the Beloved was leaning up on Jesus' breast. And they were just chilling out and having a meal together. I go, well, what are you wearing? I don't know what you're wearing. I don't care what you're wearing. I'm covered by the blood of the Lamb. I'm wearing a white robe right now. What are you wearing? Let's move to the third point. The table is a declaration of dependence. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors are the manna in the wilderness. They ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus was speaking spiritually. They were still too carnal to fully understand. 
Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Jesus made clear he was taking, talking about a spiritual reality, not a physical one. Yet neither are we saying these are just a piece of bread and a cup of juice. Jesus said there is a working of the Spirit of God that will happen in your life when you partake. A measure of the Holy Spirit power will cause his life to nourish you. If you come in with receptivity and understanding, see, it's, we're not just going through emotion here. We're observing something Jesus said as often as you do. Commune with me. Connect with me. There's spiritual reality that takes place. We partake in the recognition that we are dependent upon his, this life flow to us and among us as believers. We need the Lord and we need each other. The spirit of Jesus greets the spirit of Jesus in you. And my spirit bears witness with his spirit that I'm a child of God. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the mouth, confession is made, resulting in salvation. And with the heart, righteousness takes place because of the righteousness of Christ now. I'm not superior to you. You're not inferior to me. We all have a common enemy, the world, the flesh, and the devil. We need each other. We need the grace of God in each other, the forgiveness of God in each other, the mercy of God in each other. We need Jesus in each other. Fourthly, the table is a place for examination. Yeah, it is. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ and eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick and the number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. Are you grateful for the discipline of God? I am. I, I, I want to be sensitive. I want to know the moment I screw up. Some of you think I just did by saying screw. Honey, why do you have that look? <laughs> okay. When I mess up. How about when I intentionally and willfully sin? What then? Is there forgiveness? Yes, there is. You see, we examine ourselves. Jesus says, come to the table. Te are you in the faith? Test yourself. See, are you in the faith? Are you playing games, going through the motions? What's going on here? See, he invites us to come and be honest with him. Lord, I, I, I'm here and um, I know I've neglected you and I've been willful and stubborn and disobedient. And there's times that I cry out to you for mercy and grace and really want 
to change and then there's other times that I love the pleasure of sin more. And um, I, know, I know it grieves your heart. I'm not quite sure what to do. But I come. That's what he's after. Your heart. He already sees it, so why don't you go ahead and confess it? If you say you're without sin, you make God a liar. Isn't that what John in his epistle says? If you say that you're without sin, you make God a liar. But if you confess your sins, he is faithful, faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Wow. Faithful God who can't deny himself. He can't be anything but faithful. And he justifies you as if you'd never sinned. This is the table you come to. This is the table you come to. Just as if you'd never sinned. What? Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna clue you in on something. How many of you have ever thought, why did God save me? Like, God, you knew the mistakes I would make. You knew the willfulness that I would still continue in, even after I received you, but yet you still saved me. Has anyone ever, that, has anyone ever thought that? Like, he, he chose me and he saved me knowing everything that I would struggle with. And yet he chose me anyway. I'm going to tell you what, that's, that's amazing love. And that's the table I come to. The table of... God, cleanse me and I'll be cleansed. Heal me and I'll be healed. Change me and I'll change. But apart from you, I am nothing. So I'm here at the table. I'm here at the table of mercy. I'm here at the table of victory. I'm here at the table of forgiveness. I'm here at the table of cleansing. I'm here at the table because, oh God, oh God, I need you. Every hour I need you. Every moment of every day, oh God, I need you. Let's move to my last point. I think it's my last one. The table is a place for reception of provision. Finally, the Lord calls us to his table to receive his provision. Verse 29 of this text has often been a source of confusion. For who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment Damnation, King James says to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Let's settle this right here and now. Who is worthy to come to the Lord's table? Who is worthy? Nobody is. <laughs> you don't come to the table, Ben, because you're worthy. You come to the table because he's worthy. He's the worthy Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. Where else are you going to get your forgiveness? You're not going to find it at kneeling at the statue of Buddha. You're not going to find it at kneeling at the grave of Muhammad. You're not going to find it there. You're going to find it in Jesus, the sacrificial Paschal Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's where you find it, and that's why we come to the table. 
Partaking in a worthy manner means to ascribe the full worth to what Jesus Christ has done to welcome us into the presence of the Father. It has nothing to do with earning a place of value or acceptance. Jesus has made us worthy through his blood and cross, not by any accomplishment of our works. Can I get an amen? The full worth of the provision of the Lord's table is not only for the forgiveness of sins, but also for every matter in your life. The cup is the testimony that he has paid for everything that we need. Just as Jesus just as Jesus, with fervent desire, called his disciples to come to the Passover feast, so he calls you and me to come to his table and partake with understanding. We are called to celebrate his victory over the powers of darkness, proclaim his redemptive work in our lives, declare our dependence upon him and one another, examine ourselves that we may grow as his disciples and receive every blessing that his sacrifice for us has provided. Can I get an amen? Now listen, I want to share a story with you. It's found in the Old Testament. It's one of the most beautiful stories that, that you can find in, you, in the Old Testament that demonstrates what is happening when God invites you to his table, when he invites us to his table. It's the story of David and Mephibosheth. How many of you remember that? David and Mephibosheth. I'm going to start breaking out in tongues if I keep trying to say that name. So we often think of David, I want to be like David and slay a giant. I want to be like Elijah on the Mount Carmel and show those false prophets, you know, a thing or two. But no, this is the heart of God. David was a man who had a heart after God. And we find it in the story. Mephibosheth was unable to walk because he was made lame through a fall. And spiritually speaking, we are unable to walk with God because we have been made lame through the fall. Mephibosheth was condemned to die because he is descended from Saul, like we are condemned to die because we're descended from Adam. David sought Mephibosheth like God seeks us. David showed Mephibosheth kindness because of Jonathan, like God shows us kindness because of Jesus. King David brought Mephibosheth into Jerusalem like King Jesus brings the spiritually lame into the new Jerusalem. Mephibosheth was adopted by the king like we are adopted by the king. Come on now. Come on. That is us. And we are the Mephibosheths. And I want to close now. With a song, and I think our worship team needs to get up here. Whoever's going to sing that song. Yes. 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 As they're making their way. Lucas is going to share a song. It's, it's called Come As You Are. Come As You Are. And that's the invitation today. Come to the table and come as you are. Come with Reverence, come with brokenness, come with shame, come with disappointment, come, come with your unforgiveness and leave it to the one who will enable you to forgive. Come and let go of your defensiveness, come, let go of your hurt and your pain. Come to the table and receive of your king.
You. 